Welcome to Globally Speaking, your program that explores everything and anything to do with language localization. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting global brands today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael. I am Renato Beninato. And I'm Michael Stevens. Today, we're going to talk about unconferences in general and especially in the language industry. So, we're talking about conferences? No, unconferences. Unconferences. Okay, because. Conferences are expensive. They take a long time to get to. It's hard to convince managers for the budget. Well, the, the idea of the unconference was actually born from that business problem that you described. It's an alternative to the traditional conference where you have to have a structured agenda, you have keynote speakers, you have coffee breaks, you have call for papers, you have sponsors, exhibitors, all that stuff. And you get to see people from a distance and the keynotes usually come in and leave right after they talk. So you don't even, maybe you get their LinkedIn or something. Absolutely. So unconferences started late in the 90s with the IT people. I think that the first unconference was actually around XML development. Mm -hmm. And so for this episode, we've interviewed some people who have taken this concept that was outside the localization industry, and they've made it relevant to people who know about languages. And we started with Teresa Marshall, and we will let her introduce herself. I'm Senior Director of Localization at Salesforce. I'm responsible for product localization, which means pretty much everything except for marketing. I have a couple of roles within Salesforce, so I own localization, but I'm also the product owner for the globalization team, so I own internationalization infrastructure. And that's relatively new. We're sort of reviving that effort, which is really exciting. So apart from that, I'm also on the board of Women in Localization. Okay, so you have that role. You've done some teaching. I've done some teaching. I taught a course called Localization as a Profession at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies for about four years, I think. Where does this unconference idea come from? So I have to admit that it was not my idea, but you have to have the ability to pick up good ideas when they sort of fit what you want to do. When I joined Salesforce, just before I joined them, my manager, Shauna Wolverton, got together with Olton O'Brien and had this idea that part of what's really fun about conferences, whether it's localization world or whether it's, you know, let's say Salesforce big Dreamforce event or something like that. Part of the fun is always that kind of networking ability. The time that, is, that you have as you grab a cup of coffee or you head to dinner or you end up at the bar after the conference. And then most of the interesting conversations typically happen there. And so they were looking for a format to, to really focus those conversations. And they did the first unconference. I think that was in 2008. And then when I joined, um, we were thinking about trying to do that again, but both my manager had moved on and Alton, I think, had at this point moved to Ireland again. So it was a little bit harder, but we had a great space because we had office space available. And so we just tried it again. And, and the idea is really that you have 
the, the most, I think the most organization that goes into that is finding that space and getting people to show up, but there's no need to prepare for it. There's no need to, you know, find speakers or put out a call for papers. You really have to be, I guess, good at just sort of winging it. And that really sort of took off. And we've done one every year since I started. And I think for five years, we've done sort of an unconference track at Look World as well. What during this several years that you've been doing this and venues and events, what are some of the recurring topics and what are some of the weird topics that come up in this conversation? It really depends where it is, I have to say. And not so much in terms of the venue, but like you said, in terms of like who's in the audience, right? So an unconference in Asia is completely different from an unconference in Silicon Valley or or even the ones that we had in, in Europe with Love World. What we generally see is it's definitely buzzword centric, right? So whatever's going on in the industry that year is definitely something that comes up. And so when the industry is talking about IoT and what that means for localization, then that comes up and it comes up in different variations. It's either, oh, I've been tasked with something that's related to that, or it's somebody who says, I keep hearing that term and I don't know what it is. So it's actually a great forum for people to interact. By the way, IoT is Internet of Things. You're talking in buzzwords. <laughs> I'm talking in buzzwords, but that, that's. I mean, this is this is this is exactly true. I actually meant buzzwords in in a good way, and in, in what is moving sort of the minds of of the industry. One of my favorite unconference sessions was, I think it was at Loke World in Seattle, and I think it was one of the first ones we did in combination with Loke World, and one of the later ones in the day, and. I think you were in the room and there were a number of people in the room with long years of experience, right? They had been around the block, not just once, but a couple of times and really had seen the industry from different angles, had worked on the vendor side, on the client side, had moved through a number of Silicon Valley companies and big corporations and small companies and everything. And so I think we had about 30 people in the room and when we do the unconference at Loke World, we don't have the luxury of setting an agenda at the beginning of the day, but we sort of set it at the beginning of that session. It's always a little chaotic, but that's part of the fun, right? So we're going around the room and somebody said, I think there were many other topics, but somebody said, you know what, I'm new to this industry and I don't really know what I don't know. And it was this young guy who was in a sales position for, I think, an LSP. And it sort of sparked this sharing of information across this group of 30 people and with somebody like you who has a lot of experience and then other people who are just starting out. And I, I can remember just his eyes sort of just going wide. And I think he wanted to record it probably because there was so much information in that. And what I liked about it and why it's one of my favorite sessions is it was so easy for this sort of newbie in the industry to have a informal conversation with you, with a number of people. Going back to your earlier question of the differences, I saw a difference in venue. So typically when we do it at Salesforce, we do it down the peninsula in Silicon Valley, closer to you know Silicon Valley. Last year, it was in San Francisco. So the attendance, the audience was made up of a larger diversity in terms of roles, 
And that was really interesting. And that takes the entire day or the entire session into a slightly different topic, right? So if you have, let's say, a bunch of program managers in the room and they want to talk about MT, it's a completely different conversation than if you have a bunch of engineers in the room and they want to talk about MT. It makes it really interesting. It's also a little bit tiring because you have to be so on your feet that you can pick up where the conversation is going. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of variance between whether it's at Lokworld or whether it's independently hosted, who actually shows up, you're setting an agenda together. What are the consistent things? You mentioned some people who show up consistently. What are some other consistent themes? I think a couple of things that are just sort of principles of the unconference. Typically, when we do the unconference as a standalone, we dedicate about an hour to finding the topics and we write them all down and people, it's a very democratic process. We invite them to vote on the individual topics. And then we wrangle the number of topics that have the highest votes into an agenda. Quite often, we have two or three different tracks that we run simultaneously. And usually about how many people? What does the audience vary on that? Over the years, anywhere between 50 and 120. 120 was the biggest one we did. And that is almost at a point where it's so big that it's hard to manage and you lose sort of that very casual momentum that drives that conversation. So 50 is a really good number that gives people a lot of topics to choose from. That's why we have a number of tracks and it doesn't disrupt the discussion too much when somebody says, hey, this is not for me, I'm out of here. They can probably take some of the things they learned in a session and go deeper with it in some intimate conversation. Yeah, that happens quite often that something from the keynote will come in and be part of a topic that gets picked up in one of the sessions for the unconference. I remember in London, the lead sponsor was Capita. They had the new leadership. That was an awesome That was an awesome <laughs> conference because we had a lot of leaders, CEOs and executives from LSPs in the room. And Capita was coming with this concept of Every once in a while, every two years, somebody comes with this great idea that we need to change the pricing model from per word to something that nobody knows what it is. And this guy who came from outside the industry had this novel idea that I heard for the first time in 1992 to <laughs> charge by the hour and then have a set margin of it would be like 20% management fee on top of the cost for the projects. And I think it was a very lively discussion. And it depends on, on the people that are in the room. And You start talking about pay and it gets very lively. Oh, if you put money in the middle. <laughs> London actually was a great unconference altogether. I think the other session at London all of a sudden dissolved into a conversation about poor people in India having to sell their kidneys and how crowdsourcing within the localization industry was just the same practice. And it sometimes gets really touchy. So I only had, I think, two or three where I was thinking, how do I stop this if it actually <laughs> turns into this revolt or, or you know, aggressive kind of violent behavior? Thankfully, that never really happened. No, but then, so. the talking about kidneys and crowdsourcing, that files under weird. Topics. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. absolutely. <laughs> That was definitely one of the weirder ones. I just remember that it was so passionate. I mean, money typically gets sort of tempers a little bit high, but that particular year, and this is, I think this is like 2012, maybe. So crowdsourcing at that point had been around for a while. And it was funny that it was still such a passionate topic. It's definitely one that I've seen change over the years where it used to be 
not at all embraced. And, and now when it comes up as a topic, it's more like, well, how do I do it? And it's not like, oh, this sucks and we shouldn't be doing it. It's more like, how do I get in on that? And that makes it really interesting because you can see over the years, you see different topics. So MT is always part of it. Pricing is one that we actually try to stay away from. But when it comes up, we're not saying no. My name is Alex. My full name is a little more interesting. It's Alexander Pusteryuk. I come from Ukraine and right now I live in Canada. I'm the manager of localization at a Toronto-based company called Achievers. I've been with Achievers for the past three and a half years. Before that, I was doing localization at BlackBerry for four years. With colleagues from BlackBerry, I co-organized the Toronto Unconference. It's the Canadian edition of the one that's run by Theresa Marshall in the U.S. What are the most recurring topics that you get? And is there anything out of the normal, something weird that has come up in your unconferences? We do get a variety of topics. It depends on who shows up for the unconference. Since we are in Toronto, we had attendees from Quebec, There's Translation Bureau, It's Canada, Francophone. So there were topics about translation into French from French, bilingualism. That, that's what comes up in Canada. Otherwise, something that's interesting is always coming up, for example, educating the customer on the localization subjects or career paths in localization. This year, we had graduates and younger people at the conference, fresh graduates, who are looking to be getting into localization or are working and it's their first job. So careers in localization and paths was a hot topic. My name is Milko Kleitz. I'm the founder of the Modular Language Automation in Switzerland, and I've organized or co-organized unconferences, the first one in Switzerland and then a second one in Munich, Germany. And we're about to have one at the end of June again in Germany. I really try to do it professionally, thinking we're in Switzerland, I have to do something really proper and organized. And we got 100 people in some federal agency here in, in Switzerland, so very great facilities and great attendance. I think it was really more a professional event than unconferences typically are, which has advantages and disadvantages. But I think at the time it was really I saw an opportunity or a need for something in Switzerland specifically with its multilingual language situation. And there is not a lot of exchange between the different actors in Switzerland across the different linguistic regions, which is interesting, you know, events for German-speaking translators and events for French-speaking and probably Italian-speaking, but not so much for everyone altogether. And was that the idea, to do one for all the three major languages in Switzerland? And were you able to make that happen? Yeah, the idea for me was really to bring together everyone who's involved with translation independently from their occupation, you know, independently from the fact that they're translators or maybe translation managers in LSPs or maybe in companies or even federal translation departments, because you have them in, in Switzerland, or whether they're in German-speaking, French-speaking or Italian-speaking Switzerland. And it was really quite novel from that point of view, and that's why it drew so many different people. But it was a great event. It was a lot of work, though, as well. So, yeah, that was the Swiss one. For the German one, the, the history was a little bit different. That was the initiative by the other organizers who had contributed previously to organizing ones in Dublin and wanted to do a similar thing in Germany and basically just asked me if I wanted to, to help out. So I did. And what were the topics that came up for discussion when you set up the meet? The Swiss one? Yeah. 
payment was a very important topic for people. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I know it sounds quite mundane, but given the situation of Switzerland and currency exchange, you know, because Switzerland, of course, is not part of the euro market. So currency exchange rates and in general, the, just the level of payment and the ability of companies or the tendency of companies to more and more outsource outside Switzerland is something that is a common issue. And then also, you know, payment. It sounds so weird to me that uh, a conference in Switzerland would talk about money. I, I don't see the connection between the two. <laughs> <laughs> but how about what other topics would come up? What topics are interesting for that part of Europe in addition to payment? Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, at the time, certainly machine translation was a hot topic. It was a couple of years ago already. I, I think people have generally become a bit more, say, the hype is a little bit behind us and people have a better understanding of how real the threat for them individually is or not. But at the time, it was, was quite hot and conflictual topic, machine translation. And then generally, terminology, for instance, you know, how to manage terminology and so on. Some, some of the more, say, traditional practice questions and that was you know was great also for me to discover how people have been working successfully for sometimes decades in big organizations big companies big federal offices here who do a lot of translation because for legal reasons they have to and you know it's not like they haven't developed their own good practices in the industry where i was coming from we often didn't really know what they were doing so that was a pretty good exchange as well i think those were probably the most prominent topics as far as i recall there's really just two, I think, two principles with the non-conference, right? So one is that we don't want that divide in the industry. So you're not allowed to sell. You can't come in and say, hey, here's a problem I want to talk about. And by the way, I solved it. So you should all come buy my service. And at the same time, you can't solicit services either, right? You can't go in, hey, I'm you know, company X and I'm looking for a new vendor. Come. You can't run your RFP or RFI through the unconference. We want it to be a really open discussion and free flow without having some of the constraints. So I think one of the weirder ones was where both Scott and I at the same time got up to flank one particular person of a technology provider and basically sort of whispered, it's like, if you do that again, we're going to make you leave, <laughs> which is kind of weird. So the first one is no selling, no buying. No selling and no buying, just expert opinions. Very good. That's nice and short. And the second one is if it's not your topic, it's not something you know you voted for, it's not something that is interesting, or even if the discussion goes in a direction where you say, well, I know this, this is not interesting to me, you're encouraged to get up and find another session. So we call it the principle of your feet. So if it's not something that interests you, we all value our time. So it's totally fine to get up and move you out. should adopt that principle in more places than just the unconference, because yeah. that's a really good principle. And it takes a while to get used to it and not be like personally offended when somebody gets up and walks out. And I often, in the back of my mind, it's like, what well, is that because we weren't introducing the concept right? Or so at the beginning, right? It's, it's always this kind of uh, moment. And then, you know, now I've, I've done it so often that I actually congratulate this person in my brain and say, oh, good. You find something that is more useful for you, which is great. I like that. One of the rules is vote with your feet. What does that mean? That means if you don't like something, leave the room. But if you love it, come back or stay. Your feet are your vote. But for me, actually, the important rule is that you don't really have a leader 
of any of these sessions. You know, it's really everyone who participates and it's not an opportunity for someone to display their maybe, you know, superior knowledge or preparation even. Most importantly, that they don't come out with something prepared like a PowerPoint slide or so. For me, that's really the, the most important rule. The other one, but it's maybe more a question of actual practice, that you actually have a session with everyone together at the beginning where you decide on the sessions for the day. I know that in principle, there are alternative ways of doing this by to do that over the internet in advance. I'm not sure how that would work in localization, but having this meeting with everyone initially where you decide what you're going to discuss in itself is already a very valuable, interesting exchange, you know, to see what's important to people, even if it's not important to you and you don't want to discuss it, but to see what's important to others. So how much do you get paid for the unconference, Teresa? I mean, let's let's get to the heart of this. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, uh, but uh, <clears throat> nothing. But so <laughs> <laughs> it is a volunteer. It is definitely a volunteer organization. What do you personally get out of leading the unconference? Me gets, well, personally, just enriching my own knowledge about the local community of localizers in Toronto, in Canada. It's new connections. It's mutual invitations. They might invite me over to appear in one of their conferences. I have a question for you. You're giving your free time voluntarily to do this. What is it that you get out of it? I think there are different things. I mean, certainly it's, it's quite satisfactory as well to, to organize something that's successful, you know. And if it's a free event, if there's not, not really a commercial purpose behind it, you get a lot of good feedback as well. You know, people really thank you as well. And you can see that. I had people who came to me and said, it's, this is the first event I've been to in like 10 years. I'm so isolated as a translator. and so great finally to have an opportunity to exchange with others. Or others who came who said it's been the most productive event for them that they've been to in Yonks. So, I mean, that in itself is already great. The other thing, I think in terms of networking, it's very powerful. It's, it's not really why I did it, but I think it's very powerful, probably more so than other conferences, because you actually participate actively. So naturally, even those people who are maybe, say, a bit more introverts, will have an opportunity to really exchange with others, which in, in other conferences you may not end up doing. You sit in an audience and maybe you find the topic interesting or not or so, but you're not necessarily involved in a discussion with others. And unless you're good at networking around outside the, the actual talks, you, you may not actually be doing that much networking. And the unconferences for that, I think, amazingly effective, really. Michael, today we talked about unconferences and the people that are organizing them around the world. But this concept is quite widespread in the translation and localization industry. I have personally attended conferences in the ALC, which is the American Association of Language Companies, at ELEA, the European Language Industry Association, at the UATC. Sometimes these associations will even hire professional mediators to get the unconference going. Yeah, my experience has been pretty in-depth as well. At most local worlds, I spend the majority of hours in the unconference sessions. I got to go to Toronto for the first one that Alex put on. And it's just amazing that these people who have pretty intense jobs to begin with will volunteer their time because they're so passionate about it. So you know something good must be going on with it. Absolutely. And I think that the goal here and the challenge that we give to our listeners is if you are passionate about meeting people, networking, organize your own conference wherever you are. And if you are not 
the kind of organizer, community organizer person. And you just want to show up, participate, be participate, there. And, and you've got people that are resources to do both. And as we heard from our guests, everybody's available to help. So we'll put information and how to contact them in the notes of this podcast. Yeah, so check out our website, globallyspeakingradio.com, for the links and other content that we've mentioned during the show. This podcast was produced by Burns360, even though he hates it when we say that. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts on the interwebs. See you next time. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, brought to you by Moravia. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.